A story is told about one of the Egyptian monks of the fourth century. He was sitting in his cell, and a brother came to see him and said, I have bad news for you. Your father just died. And the monk responded, Stop blaspheming. My father is immortal. As is the case with many of these stories from the desert monks of the early centuries of the church, this can be taken in a couple of ways. One way is that as a baptized member of the body of Christ, God is our Father, and so to say that our Father has died just doesn't make any sense, uh, if it's not blasphemous indeed. But I think there's also another sense in which the monks lived so close to the afterlife They were constantly aware that Jesus Christ has revealed the resurrection. He has revealed that we are made, all of us, for eternity. And indeed, if you read early monastic literature from this period to, let's say, the 8th century or so, you'll discover a particular kind of story having to do with the death of a monk or a nun. In these stories, when death occurs, the monk's soul is actually seen by his friends soaring up to heaven. The life of St. Benedict itself contains three such stories. The first in which Benedict's friend Germanus dies, and he is carried to angels, by angels, to heaven in a ball of fire. And then Benedict's sister Scholastica dies, and Benedict sees her soul as a dove flying up to heaven. And of course, last of all, our great patriarch Benedict himself dies. And his soul isn't seen, but there are two disciples who have revealed to them the road on which his soul went up to heaven. Gregory the Great, who authored these stories, is quick to tell us that this vision that the two disciples had was a gift from God. It's not something we all receive. And uh, perhaps this is a comfort for us because most of us don't have these visions. And in fact, when we experience the death of a loved one, Uh, It's not like this at all. There's nothing to indicate in these old stories, by the way, that the deaths did not cause pain to those who were left behind. When we lose someone close to us, it can feel like a part of ourselves is gone, kind of ripped away from us. It's a wound that death inflicts on the survivors. And it's not simply the pain that we feel at our own loss, the fact that we won't see this person in the body tomorrow. Frequently enough, we're also aware that the person who died had weaknesses, had failures. Uh, We had trouble expressing ourselves freely, perhaps, with this person because of a certain diffidence or difficulties that he or she had. There were missed opportunities and broken relationships. There were maybe faults that we were really hoping this person could overcome but never quite was able to. We saw something in this person we hoped for that never came to fruition. So there's some sadness when we see this life in the body come to an end. We didn't get to see this loved one as he or she might have been had he or she become what God intended, what God wanted. So what is the value of these old monastic stories for us who don't have these visions? Well, I think there are several things that are important. One is that unless we are told about the life of heaven, unless this is revealed to us in some way, this is the only life that we will know and experience. 
On the other hand, if we remember that the resurrection is real, if we keep death before our eyes, as St. Benedict teaches us, then we can start to desire heaven. So not only are our loved ones gone, but we want to see them again. And we have good hope that we will. We can actually start living the blessed life now in desire. So we often speak of the Eucharist as a foretaste of heaven. We start to train ourselves to want the heavenly life, to be detached from this earthly life when we approach Holy Communion. And we do this whenever we pray for the dead. We can long for that happy life and long for a happy death where we are free to let go of this life in confidence that it's not the end and that the things we are letting go of in this life will be replaced by something better and more permanent. All Souls Day is a day when we keep death very much before our eyes and we recall all of those whom we have lost, perhaps especially those we've recently lost, and we long to see them again. We want the best for them. We want God to take care of them. What is more, because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have solid grounds for hoping not only will we see them again, but when we do see them, we will see them as realized, as that person that we always hoped they would be, and probably something much, much better than we could even imagine, in their best state, their, their Christ state, let's say. All of those failures and lost opportunities will somehow be redeemed. The flaws transformed into something beautiful. All that mysterious aloofness or diffidence that we often experience in relationships with others, the mystery of what we can't quite get at in someone else's life, the things we hide from others ourselves, all of that will somehow be broken open so that we might all be free to share everything about ourselves in wonder and goodness. That a human life as loved and redeemed by God. And there's even more than this. Not only will we see our loved ones, this is our hope, in this blessed state, but we can actually assist them in getting there. We can assist them in this transition. We can help them. We can do this tonight as we offer the sacrifice of this Mass for their purification. And just as we long to see them again, in fact, more than we long to see them, they long to see us. This is a good scholastic principle. They're closer to their final goal than we are, probably. And that means they feel more intensely the things they ought to feel. And what we ought to feel is love for one another. And if they loved us in this life and know that we love them, they will love us with greater and greater intensity. So they long to see us, too. And they love the fact that we pray for them. This helps them a great deal. This is a great comfort. It's a great source of consolation for those souls. Much later than these monastic stories about death was a very different vision of death that I would like to reflect on in conclusion. In the year 1300, a very talented poet um, known for his foppish dress and uh, quick temper, a man named Dante Alighieri, had a vision of the afterlife. And it was not at first a very pleasant one for him. Uh, He was living what, by his account, was a sinful life, uh, 
a life of remissiveness. And he discovered his own sinfulness and that it required him to take a harrowing trip through hell in order to find the right path again. Thankfully, he had lots of saints praying for him and helping him out. When he emerges from the inferno, he begins to ascend Mount Purgatory. This is a wonderful place, by the way. Over and over again, as he meets all the souls there who are undergoing this purification, who are becoming who they ought to be, they beg of him, when you get home, ask everyone to pray for me, especially my loved ones. Tell them how much it helps me when they pray for me. And in some cases, it's even better than that. There are souls who are really stuck. Again, there are souls who die in this place where they're stuck. They can't, they can't quite find their way. They're not... Uh, God doesn't fail to save them, but it's hard for them to change. And there are some cases that Dante tells us that this negligence and stubbornness was miraculously removed by the prayers, the fervent prayers of those left behind. And isn't this what love does? We've, I think we've all experienced this. When someone loves us, it gives us a vision of ourselves as potentially better. We see our lives as God might imagine our lives to be. And of course, in this life, alas, it's not only difficult to give love, it's tough to receive it sometimes. But this inability to receive love does not affect the souls in purgatory anymore. So let us not stop loving them. You know this saying, uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Let's make this true about our absent ones. Uh, Unfortunately, we all know it's the case that oftentimes if someone's absent long enough, we start to grow cold in our remembrance of them. So let's not let this happen. Let's not stop loving them. Let us stand before God each day, especially in this month of November, and remember them, pray for them. And as I said, the souls of the departed, being closer to their final goal, feel their desire for us more strongly than they felt it in this life, and perhaps more strongly than we feel a desire for them now. But we will desire not only reunion with our loved ones by our repeated prayers, but a desire for all things of God, of eternity, a desire for our true eternal home. Let us then lift up our hearts to the things on high, the things of heaven, those things already in that state of blessedness, but also for those souls loved by God whose final place is in heaven, but who have not attained it yet. What a great work of love it is for us to speed them on their way to this place of happiness by our sacrifices and our prayers.